It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I am your host, and in today's show, which was recorded on Friday the 2nd of July, we'll shortly be joined by Chris Frame. He's going to be comparing the bathing arrangements on modern-day cruise ships to the transatlantic liners of yesteryear, and uh, we're going to round out the show with some great cruise news uh, from around the world. Of course, uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, over the weekend probably, um, an array of different ships have uh, recommenced operations uh, particularly in the UK and North America. Just to think of a few off the top of my head, we've got Celebrity recommencing cruises in the UK. We've got Carnival and others recommencing in North America. So if you are happening to be on any one of those ships or anything in the not-too-distant future, let us know. We'd love to hear your um, experience on uh, the cruises as they start to resume at various locations around the world. The easiest way to get in contact with us is by the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and in the top right-hand corner, join the show, and that's where you can uh, not only send a request for a, for a cruise review, but also how you can send the question in to myself and Chris to answer for you. But let's jump straight into it and invite Chris to join us here in the studio. Enjoy the show. It is Friday once again, which means it must be time to speak to our good friend, maritime historian and all things cruise news, Chris Rain. Welcome back. Thanks so much. Nice to be back. It is. And what a week it has been once again. We've got heaps to get through in the cruise news. But of course, we always start off with the uh, the good old maritime history. Mm. And we have touched on this briefly many, many moons ago. But it's a subject that I find very, very interesting. And you brought it back this week, not only for the, the podcast, but also in your YouTube um, channels as well. Yeah. We're talking about bathing on ships of yesteryear. What's it all about? Well, Baz, have you, you've obviously been cruising quite a lot. And, mm-hmm. and when you walk into your cabin, do you expect to find an ensuite bathroom? 
of course, and I prefer <laughs> to have a shower screen rather than a shower curtain. I know that's the big one. That's that's one of the big questions: the shower shower door or shower curtain. But in the days of old, the um, the question was a little bit more like: Do I actually have access to these facilities rather than whether or not it's in your cabin? <laughs> okay. um, and I thought um, so. The video I've done this week actually covers um, how it evolved from the Victorian era on the original steamships where it was very much, there was no running water, so there was no showers or baths, mm-hmm. um, all the way through to modern-day cruising. But one of the areas that I thought might be interesting to talk about today is a, ship's, a ship particularly that everyone knows, the Titanic, mm-hmm. and her sister ship, the Olympic, which, of course, were that kind of early 20th century epitome of luxury travel yeah. um, and what the facilities were like there. So the, the, the Titanic was an Olympic-class ship, there was the three in the class, Olympic, Titanic, and Britannic. Mm-hmm. And these ships were designed by White Star to be the sort of epitome of, of luxury and the, the sort of gold standard, I suppose, of, of transatlantic travel at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, on board, the we'll use Titanic. On board Titanic, there was three classes. There was yep. first, second, and you can either call it third or steerage, depending on um, you know your preference on what to refer it as. Um, but these three classes were, of course, quite different in their um, in the wealth that you had when you were when you were travelling in there, and in, in the amenities that were available. So, if we start at the top, first class, you have the wealthiest passengers. Yep. Um, but interestingly enough, only a very select few cabins or staterooms had private ensuite. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So, in first class on the Titanic and the Olympic, they had um, shared bathrooms in some of the more luxurious cabins, these were shared between two cabins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the smaller first class cabins, there was actually communal bathing um, and toileting facilities, um, which we would find in the central part of the ship down the corridor, basically. Mm-hmm. And the, the couple of very um, luxurious rooms did have private ensuite. The bathrooms had um, running water, as you would imagine. Um, so the ship was, you know, was, was, had plumbing throughout, and yeah. it, it had in the in the showers or in the baths, um, it actually had uh, hot and cold water, but it was seawater. So it wasn't um, there was no desalination plant on yeah, board. Yeah. So they used to take um, fresh water for drinking. As a as a store that have it pumped on board in in Southampton or in New York, but um, uh, when it comes to the showers, it was it was seawater. So you had hot, hot or cold seawater, which was a little bit different from what we have today. Now, if you move down to second class, there were communal bathrooms. Um, so second class passengers would have access to those bathrooms, but no one had en suites. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were in second class, you would probably be able to expect to have had um, maybe one or two baths during the during the voyage. Okay. Um, across now, of course, in this in this period of time, um, people didn't bathe every day. It wasn't quite the same way it is as it is now. Yeah. So uh, I'm talking about full body immersion. So not like um, sponge bathing or that kind of thing. Yeah. It's more like if you you wouldn't sort of necessarily submerge yourself in water or be under a running shower every single day when you're at home. These sort of facilities just weren't widely mm-hmm. available yet, mm-hmm. except in the most wealthy um, homes. 
And then when you get down to third class or steerage, there's over 700 passengers in steerage and there's two two or three bars depending on, on the ship at the time. Um, so the ships of that era would have you know several bars, but there's no way that those 700 people are going to get access to, to the bath during the voyage. And that was mainly um, restricted to people who, who, who absolutely needed to, to, to bathe and they would also you know, utilize it um, for, for medical purposes as well. And right. then the crew also had access to bathing facilities. Interestingly enough, on the Olympic class, looking at the deck plans, it appears that the crew had more baths than the third class passengers by, mm. by quite a large number. This was largely to ensure that the crew um, remained you know, well presented for, for the passenger service. Yep. Um, but also there were en suites in some of the crew quarters. Um, Captain Smith, for example, his cabin on the Titanic, had an ensuite bath, and the bath is actually visible and photographed um, from the wreck. Uh, oh, it wow. still sits there in the cabin with um, the hot and cold seawater taps, um, and it, you can actually find the photog- some of the photographs on, online quite easily because they were um, they were taken when um, the uh, the ship was discovered, so oh. quite quite well photographed, and. Um, there were also there was a chief engineer's bath. There was baths for the for the engineers and the firemen who were down in the, um, you know, shoveling coal and stuff, so that they weren't covered in yep. coal twenty four seven. And bath and shower facilities for for um, uh, for the rest of the crew to, to remain nice and clean. But you know, very few en suites, um, and even down to to using toilets. These were you know men's and women's in separate parts of the ship, but they mm-hmm. were. They were communal facilities. You didn't have um, ensuite toilets. Now, many of the cabins did have a small basin, some of which um, were equipped, equipped with running water and others um, that were, were given sort of jugs of water to, yeah. to allow you to freshen up a little bit. And then you could tip the basin out the back of the um, sort of pull it pull it backwards and it would drain down a little drain at the back to, to, the, um, All right. uh, to the sewage tanks on board the ship. But that is obviously very different from... <laughs> From what we have now, because I think when you walk into your cabin, you, you you know have a look at the cabin, go and check out the bathroom. Some people have, um, you know, if you've got still today, funnily enough, the the baths are, are generally restricted for the um, highest class of cabin, but everyone has a shower um, yeah. now. And another little interesting point, which which is in the video, and people can can watch the video if they want to know a bit more. But you know, there were ships up until the nineteen sixties and, and and early nineteen seventies being built with with. Co- uh, uh, communal bathing facilities, and some of those ships, like the Canberra and the Festa, actually stayed in service um, well into the 1990s. So wow. <laughs> it's only just in the last sort of 20, 30 years that we've become so accustomed to to private facilities throughout. Yeah, God, I can't imagine. Like, yeah, just, <laughs> just like a, a different world altogether. I mean, also oh, oh, it's in it's in the videos I mentioned, and I don't want to go into it in too much detail here because we've got so much news to get through, but. You know, as things progressed in the in the pre and post World War Two eras on ships like Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth, you actually ended up with um, you know more en suites, but 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 also on the shared facilities there were bathrooms with bath stewards, and they would um, look after the bathroom and come and get you when it's your turn to have a bath. So it's all it's all very different from the from the from the cruising world that we we experience today. Yeah, no, it is. It's very, very different. And uh, I'm glad I'm in this era and not that one in, in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump straight into cruise news next. We have, um, first of all, got some sad news. We we kind of been expecting it, but uh, yeah. we, we, we have to touch on it. First of all, from the Carnival Australia, 
brands here. We've got P&O and Princess extending a pause. Yeah, so P&O um, now all the way through to 17th of December of this year and Princess um, to 19th of December. And, of course, this is you know just a well, – I mean, there's a few others as well that we'll touch on, but they're all for the same reason, really. Yep. Um, there's uncertainty around when, when cruising can resume. And, you know, as we record this, most of the country is either in or has just come out of lockdown due to the, the Delta strain here. So it's all very uncertain in Australia still. Yeah, no, it is, which kind of ties in with Royal Caribbean, who have not cancelled as such, but have uh, taken steps to delay the final payment request from passengers uh, with bookings for, for later this year. Yeah, that's right. So they um, haven't quite, uh, well, at the time of recording, they haven't kind of given all of the details yet, but basically they will be suspending the final payment due dates for Australian cruisers, which is similar to what they did with Alaskan cruisers earlier this year when things were a bit uncertain with Alaska. But Alaska went in a more positive direction. Let's hope that that could be the case for, for oh, us yes. down here. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Now, uh, no, longer an, no longer a Royal Caribbean brand, but a favorite amongst many down here. Azamara has decided to completely suspend the 2021-2022 season. Yes, yes. I, I, again, same reasons, I think, because of um, the uncertainty here. Um, but it's going to uh, be pulling out, I guess, suspending its Australian um, summer season. Oh, they actually say Australasian when they announced yeah. it. So it's not just um, limited to us, but um, they've made the comment that it's, you know, the, due to the ongoing complexities of the cruise operations in Latin America and Australia. Yep. So it's not just Australasia, but also some other parts of the world too. Um, but it will see our, um, well, the Arizmara ships cancel 13 voyages. Um, and that was across Australia and New Zealand um, and throughout Asia places like Japan, um, and they also will be cancelling Azamara Pursuits voyages until January. Yeah, so two two ships affected uh, for the Azamara team at this stage. But let's go into more positive news. Let's head over to the UK where earlier this week, uh, we're recording this, of course, on the 2nd of July, our friends at P&O UK this time, um, recommenced sailing on board the beautiful Britannia. Yes, so she departed on um, the 27th of June. Um, and she did a four-night um, sailing around the UK coast, which was the first of her voyages. Um, and that was the first time in 15 months that mm. uh, P&O Cruises UK had passengers on board. And interestingly enough, like we've spoken about it before, but the big massive cluster of UK-based ships that have anchored off the coast of the UK, that gave for quite a good send-off for Britannia because she was able to go past um, ships like Aurora, which is one of my favourite ships, um, Arcadia, Arcadia, Ventura, and then you know P&O UK and Cunard are both run by Carnival UK. So you had Queen Mary two, Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth all there, um, sounding their whistles as Britannia um, left um, and sailed for her for her voyage. So that's exciting for those people who are on board. Um, and she's going to be undertaking a series of three, four, and seven night UK cruises until September. Yeah, it would have been quite a sight in the Solons with those ships kind of giving her a bit of a send off. I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. Been emotional, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're probably all a little bit jealous in, in many respects. And of course, uh, PNO did also announce that Iona will be recommencing uh, voyages, or sorry, starting her first sort of voyages um, on 7th of August as well. Yes, that's true. Iona, of course, being the newest ship, um, the largest ship for PNO in its entirety, in its whole history. Um, and she's one of the LNG powered ships as well. So, big change for the company there. Brilliant. 
Um, a good friend of the show, Captain Kate, of course, from Celebrity Cruises, and in particular Celebrity Edge, was very proudly welcoming her first guests earlier this week as well. She was, yes. So the first um, ship to set sail from Fort Lauderdale, big cruise ship, um, in in over a year, um, Celebrity Edge, she departed on the 26th of June, uh, with Captain Kate at the helm. Um, and like one of the great things about Celebrity and, and Captain Kate is that they've been so open with what's been going on on board the ships through social media. Yep. Um, and that's been wonderful to see. So a lot of people have been following that throughout the pause and now I've been able to watch um, the captain and her crew welcoming passengers back on board. And there's this really cool little um, Instagram video. You might've seen it, Baz, of um, uh, Captain Kate using the, the thrusters on the, on the bridge wing as the ship pulls away on its, on its voyage. And it's just, um, just pulls off the, off the key there and goes past another celebrity ship. And it's just, it's just nice to be able to sort of follow that along um, as she sailed uh, for Mexico and the Bahamas. Yeah, I also saw the other one where she welcomed the, the first guest back on board as they walked oh, the yes. gangway, which was another emotional one as well. Yeah, they were clapping and, 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 and welcoming the people back on board, weren't they? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great. And uh, if you don't follow Captain Kate already, you can find her very, very easily on uh, the social channels, of course. Moving on to uh, Crystal next. They, uh, we've been talking a little bit about their recent expedition ship. Uh, they actually christened her this week. Yes, yes. The 20,200-ton new expedition ship, Crystal Endeavour, um, her godmother is actually the Prime Minister of uh, Mecklenburg, Western Pomerania in Germany. So um, that's quite a, a sort of distinguished person to have as, as, the, as the godmother on board. Um, and that's a, it's a region in Germany um, where they have uh, sort of different, uh, different leaders in the different regions. Uh, and she'll be concentrating on you know, the ship itself, uh, Arctic and Northern Europe voyages. Uh, starting on the seventeenth of July. Yeah, of course they uh, they tag that ship as being made in Germany, so it's <laughs> fitting that they have a a German godmother, I guess. Yeah. Now we'll move on to Princess next. We've got a little bit of news there as they announced the twenty twenty three European season. Yes, that's that's true. Again, we're looking quite far out, but you know we're already mid twenty twenty one now, so we are. Um, I guess that doesn't seem so far away. <laughs> um, Sixty seven new itineraries, Baz. Um, ranging in length from seven to 33 days. So quite a lot of choice. Um, I'll take a 33-dayer, please. Yeah, maybe we should just do all 67 and um, trips, Baz, and just go back to back. That would be, that'd be like fun. Like the thought of that one? Yep, definitely. Yeah, for sure. So we've got a, a number of princess ships here that are, that are going to be involved in this. Um, Enchanted Princess will be doing Mediterranean voyages, Regal Princess on Baltic sailing, Sky Princess, round trip from Southampton, and Emerald Princess will be doing also Southampton voyages, but um, sailings into other UK ports, including Liverpool and Portland, which is giving you good access to um, Stonehenge, or um, also going up to Edinburgh and um, Greenock for Glasgow. And then Island Princess will be doing Arctic Circle, um, as well as being joined by Sky Princess on a summer solstice voyage. And uh, there's a number of also transatlantic cruises for repositioning to get the ships across to um, the United States market. And uh, there'll be, you know, various different departure points there as well. So that's pretty exciting. And then yeah. they've also, you know, got a focus on um, visiting UNESCO World Heritage Sites in these new itineraries, which includes things like the Acropolis, of course, in Greece, um, the ancient city uh, in Turkey, 
um, and different places throughout Italy, Germany. So lots of different choices there um, for, for people who are interested in exploring some of these you know, heritage locations. Yeah, five medallion-class ships. Of course, we've spoken about medallion quite a bit on the podcast. Um, great enhancements uh, that that brings to your voyage. And also a lot of more ashore, which basically means late nights or overnight ports in, mm. port, sorry, overnight calls in many ports of call as well. But let's you move know, on to... Sorry. That's actually like an, an old-fashioned um, tradition that many yeah. cruise lines dropped in recent years, but it's really nice to see it coming back. Um, because it just gives you the opportunity to spend a night in the city and then come back to your ship, which acts as the hotel for the day, um, you know, and you know, you know where, where to come back to. But you can go out and have meals ashore and see, see shows ashore and just some of these cities come alive at night, which just is different from the daytime. I was just about to say exactly the same. Many cities should be seen by night rather than by day because they are completely different uh... Different scenarios, and uh, I, you know, many cities, particularly in Europe, that I, I really love to be in uh, over evening, of an evening, and uh, this gives you a great opportunity. For sure. Next, we're heading over to Regent Seven Seas, who are we uh, often talk about in the luxury space. Uh, Regents have come out with a new promotion or a new um, incentive for guests traveling to Alaska, where we're giving them a bonus land program. What's this all about, Chris? Yes, there's three free nights in Vancouver, Baz. Sounds nice. very nice, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a free offering on 17 seven-night cruises that they're hovering, that they're offering rather. Um, and these are cruises that, that go between Vancouver and Alaska. So you're already getting like a really awesome itinerary to a destination mm-hmm. that you know I would love to <laughs> would love to try one day. Um, and I know you've been to Alaska a number of times, so you can yeah. sort of sing its praises. But to be able to spend some time in Vancouver beforehand as part of that experience uh, is, I think, something that many people will want to sort of take up because. It just makes the pre-departure um, experience that much more sort of elaborate, I suppose. Yeah, no, exactly. And Vancouver's a great little spot. Of course, you can head over to, to Gastown, Granville Island, Stanley Park, Grouse Mountain, to uh, say, uh, name just a few. Next, we're going to speak about Seabourn, who have made some announcements to the Seabourn Source mobile app. Yes, so Seabourn, of course, um, one of the luxury brands with the sort of, well, it was small ship cruising, but their ships are getting bigger as they, as they build new ones. But they're still very highly luxurious um, experience. But they've gone um, a little bit further now by by sort of bringing in technology, like many cruise lines are, um, with their with their latest version of their app, which allows you to manage your stay on board um, during you, during your voyage. So you can access this via your phone, tablet, or even um, with a traditional laptop. And it allows you to, to view digital dining menus um, and for, for various venues, so not just in the main dining room, mm-hmm. um, throughout the Seabourn ships, um, create digital boarding passes to assist with embarkation. Um, and then, of course, everything like um, guest uh, and passenger registration, bookings, um, booking shore excursions and um, accessing the internet and that sort of thing can all be done through the app as well. So, you know, one of the things that I think we've seen, particularly with some of the ships that have restarted, like MSC, if you look at the, the chat I did with Emma online, she talked a lot about um, using the app to see menus in advance and pre-ordering food to try and reduce that kind of contact um, mm-hmm. on board. That's something that I think will probably end up staying with cruise lines because, you know, people are more and more used to um, digital technology in their everyday lives. Uh, and so, yeah, Seabon's kind of... Um, 
uh, upsized, I guess, their their app offering to to allow for this on board their ships. Yeah, Seaborne hasn't been the first and certainly won't be the last. We've seen a a great emergence or a great development in the digital space with all of the cruise lines. And we're really going to see more as as we see more and more ships coming back into uh, service, of course. Now, uh, let's take a little look at uh, one of the favorite French flagged cruise lines, Penance. They've just announced the 2022 and 2023 Tropical tropical Expeditions, um, which includes Voyages to the Kimberley. Yes, I know. Australia's included here. It's also got a very strong focus on UNESCO World Heritage Sites yeah. as well. So <laughs> uh, a lot of cruise lines looking at that at the moment. Um, so 67 different itineraries have been announced. If we think about it from an Australian perspective, uh, that does mean a Kimberley season, um, 14 night itineraries that depart from uh, Broome in Western Australia um, on the 5th of September. Um, and that would be, uh, that's 2022. So and not until sort of over a year away, but still something to look forward to in the local waters. Um, they're also going to be doing cruises in uh, Melanesia. They're doing um, uh, voyages that take you to the bazaars of Zanzibar. Uh, you can go to the Japanese subtropical islands. So there's lots of different choice and uh, variety there across 67 different cruises. Now let's uh, head back into Europe. We've got a little bit of news. So in fact, we've got two news stories from our friends at MSC. What's happening in Barcelona? So Barcelona is the uh, centre of MSC's uh, Spanish resumption of cruising. So they've got Grandiosa departing there um, with guests from both Spain but also um, from Schengen countries. Um, yep. And then there's she's going to be undergoing um seven night trips um which will go from barcelona across to rome uh chivitavecchia of course for rome naples palermo valletta and malta um Mm -hmm. and then there's another uh sort of series of ships that will be resuming cruising over the coming or or maybe already have by the time you listen to this podcast um msc seaview for example will start baltic cruises on the third of july um and MSC Meravel, how do you pronounce that one? Mer- Meravia. And MSC Meravia um, from the 2nd of August will be doing Caribbean cruises. Uh, Divinia will be doing uh, Port Canaveral departures. Uh, and then Seashore will be doing voyages from August into the Western Mediterranean. Brilliant. Now, I think we spoke about MSC last week having three ships already under construction. They've just started their next, and this is quite an exciting one, uh, MSC Eurobia, I think is how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so she's under construction at La Chantier de l'Atlantique in Saint-Nazaire in France. Of course, a very famous shipyard that we have spoken about in the podcast mm. before. Um, yeah. Creators of the Normandy and the SS France and Queen Mary too. So one that's quite close to my heart from a historical point of view. But the first steel was cut on the 28th of uh, June this year, um, and she'll be the 22nd ship in the fleet when she enters service, uh, which is expected in 2023. And she's an LNG-powered ship, so um, again, another um, uh, sort of environmentally friendly development there. So she is actually named after the ancient Greek goddess of Mastery of the Seas, which is quite an oh, interesting name. And, okay. and MSC has a very interesting naming convention because they kind of seem to go off on different little sort of tangents. tangents depending, yeah, yeah. got Seashore on one hand and then other names that are more sort of mythical on, on the other, which is interesting. Um, and yes, of course, um, she will be uh, bringing with her like all of the, the latest MSC developments, which you have been able to see on, on other ships such as Virtuosa and Grandiosa. 
Yeah, and no, as we mentioned, coming in service in 2023, and that time will be with us, and we'll keep a close eye on what happens with her and her milestones of her construction. Now, you touched on your YouTube um, channel a little bit earlier. Um, you're expanding this week on what we spoke about in maritime history, of course. It's all about bathing. It's all about cruising of yesteryear. Yes, this is true. This yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be looking at, well, we are, it's already up on the on the, on the the channel um, at uh, youtube.com slash Official. But it goes, as I said, it touches on the original passenger ships where there were, was no running water and how you used to keep clean on those um, through to um, you know, the, the era of the Mauritania and Titanic and Olympic through to Queen Mary and Normandy. And then, of course, ships like QE2, Canberra, Fairstar, and then what we expect today. Um, and we really are very, I mean, obviously standards have changed so much, Baz. Like we expect yeah, yeah. baths as showers in our cabin because everyone has access to running, everyone in um, you know, places that are that are going cruising at least, developed yeah, in the developed yeah. world, yeah. have access to to running water at home. So you wouldn't go on a sh- ship and expect to have less than what you have at home, you know. But in the, exactly. in the Victorian era, no one had access to this stuff at home, so it wasn't like a shock. It's just interesting for us to look back at how our ancestors used to travel and used to live. <laughs> I love it, and uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I will be watching it this afternoon. And I encourage all of our listeners to do exactly we, the same. We've asked the question. We've equally- asked, sorry to interrupt. We've asked the question on um, on the channel: shower door or shower curtain on a cruise ship? And I'd love to hear your your thoughts because you know what I find fascinating is that um, on a ship like QE2, which was built in 1960 or put it into service in 1969, but it had its big refit in 1994. All of the cabins that had only showers had shower doors doors installed because they obviously realized that shower curtains yep. are dreadful. But all of the new ships that are being built at the moment, not all of them, but lots of them have shower curtains. So, you know, yep. let me know what you think in, in the comments, either at the podcast here or um, uh, or on my channel. I wonder if it's a cleanliness kind of hygiene thing. I guess you can take down a shower curtain, boil, wash it, or whatever you need to do to yeah. make it hygienic um, versus having to clean the glass. Maybe. I, 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 I think it's screen, a, probably but... a cost thing, to be honest, but I don't know. Maybe if there's a, someone from under the cruise line um, listening, they could let us know why why cruise lines choose that. And, and interestingly enough, like on even on a ship like QE2, um, in, the, in, the sh- in the premium cabins that has showers over bars, um, which is a, which is a, another debate all yeah. onto its own. Um, <laughs> those ones had shower curtains, of course, because you can't put a glass door over a bath. So, but if you had a if you had a cabin on um, uh, sort of the the Cor- Coronia or Mauritania grade, for anyone who knows QE2, yep. the, the lower lower um, accommodation grades, uh, they all had a, a compact little shower, but they had a door, so that um, you know even when the ship was moving around in rough rough seas. You didn't get that sort mm-hmm. of like cold shower curtain feeling on you <laughs> that, that you can get um, uh, on ships uh, today. Brilliant. Love it, Chris. And um, also, just a reminder, listeners, if you have got a question, you can contact us uh, primarily through the website here, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Join the show is the section you need to head to to send that question through. And we've had a couple of questions this week, one of which I will send through to Chris to answer for next week. But equally, you can comment on Chris's socials or on the, the podcast socials, and we'll do our best to weave that into uh, into the story somewhere along the line. Chris, it is always a pleasure, mate. Thank you very, very much. And until next time, stay Thank safe. Thank you, you too. See you later, everyone. me again just a quick reminder 
Um, if you want to help keep this podcast on air, there's a little way that you can do it. If you're familiar with Patreon, which other podcasters and YouTubers use, that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them. We use something similar, but we use a system called Buy Me a Coffee. Um, just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop. Very, very similar, although you're not physically buying me a coffee, you're making a small donation. And every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you are then receive priority access to the podcast because every, all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for itunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up so if you would like uh, that priority access then the easiest way to do so is to support us by buy me a coffee you can buy one coffee you can buy two coffees you can buy 10 coffees or you can buy a whole year supply it's entirely up to you but every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com